And I don't know, it's like putting Faith, this isn't Dokken. Now, what is this? It's back in the saddle again. You were supposed to be rocking with Dokken. Who were those guys? We have Robert England and A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors tonight on The Late Night Fright. Cue the music. <laughs> Welcome to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan, and with me, as always, is my very rockin' with Dockin' co-host, my very dream warrior co-host, my very into-the-fire co-host. That's all I've got, Faith. (laughs) Say hi, Faith. Hi, Faith. Faith, it is October 20th, 2020. This is the (laughs) 170-something edition of the Late Night Fright we have a pretty good movie tonight, we don't do. we? We do. We have a classic in the slasher genre, don't we? Mm-hmm, we do. What do we have, Faith? We have A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Freddy Krueger is back mm-hmm. again <laughs> to terrorize the kids of Elm Street. Yes. Will they vanquish him? Maybe. You never know. You never know. <laughs> let's Let's hope. <laughs> we got our fingers crossed. <laughs> This film was directed by Chuck Russell. He is the writer of a film called Dreamscape from 1984. This was the first film he directed. He would go on to direct the Blob remake in 1988. He would also direct Arnold Schwarzenegger in Eraser and Jim Carrey in The Mask. It was also written by Frank Darabont, who gave us the Shawshank Redemption and was the showrunner for the first season of The Walking Dead. Some would say, some sitting here in the studio, the best season of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. Also uh, had involvement from Wes Craven. We're going to get into that as we get into the film. But as I said, October 20th, 2020, October 20th, uh, this would be Tom Petty's 70th birthday, uh, where he's still with us. Uh, in 1987, he had a cameo in a movie called Made in Heaven. Uh, what do you think of Tom Petty? Oh, I love Tom Petty. Love him so much. I love his music. And what's sad is I feel like I really didn't get very into him until after he passed away i don't know why but i listen to him all the time now i love him i have a very good friend of mine i play music with regularly who is one of the finest human beings i've ever had the pleasure to know and one of the finest musicians i've ever worked with and he's always uh either number one or two when i say these are the best musicians i've worked with and uh, andy is a wonderful organist. Andy plays with Mark Broussard. I don't know if that name means anything to all of you out there. But um, Andy uh, Andy did a Tom Petty tribute show after uh, Tom had passed away. That's and cool. he said the same thing. He said, I really wasn't into it before. He goes, and man, getting into it for that show just, he said, it opened up this whole world of music. Right. He said, it's, it's glorious. Yeah, I mean, I've always heard his music. I'm like, yeah, I like this song, but there's something about... After he passed, you realize, wow, there there are a lot of good songs that, that he had, you know? Do you have a favorite? Ooh. 
Not off the top. I like of my room head. at the top of the world. I think room at the top That's of the world one. is is uh, introverts anthem. For some odd reason, I really love "Won't Back Down." It makes me happy when it comes on. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And he, he wasn't huge into that. That's uh, weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like his work. I celebrate uh, celebrate his entire catalog. Really, it's he's wonderful. He had a great working relationship with my favorite bass player of all time, Donald Duck Dunn. Duck brings luck because he he'd make a slot for <laughs> Duck on all of his albums. So. There you That's go. Awesome. It's a big loss and uh, seemed like a really wonderful guy. Mm-hmm. We have a wonderful guy who headlines this film that we're talking about tonight in uh, the guise of Robert England, one of our favorites here on the show. We're going to get into his performance in this movie and uh, his role as Freddy and the way it evolved in the series and what this movie means for the franchise. I think there's quite a bit to talk about with mm-hmm. this with this movie tonight. Before we do that, we want to welcome all of you wherever you are out there. Faith, we hope they're staying happy. We yes. still hope they're staying healthy. Hope safe. they're staying safe and sane. Sane. That's, that's sane. probably the most important one. <laughs> sane. We are in election season here in America, and uh, we are just trying to keep it right between the lines. Yes. That is That is what we are trying to do. And in the spirit of unity, we've been saying this. The great Bob Wilkins said this on his show, Creature Features, back in the day in the Bay Area. Watch horror movies. Keep America strong. And I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent. I don't care if you vote for one of those fringe parties. I think we can all agree, Freddy Krueger is a bastard. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) There it is. All right, Faith. We have Robert England. We have Chuck Russell. We have some Dream Warriors. We got Heather Langenkamp back as Nancy Thompson. We got the late, great John Saxon returning as Donald. We got coffee in the pot. Faith, what time is it? It's time for the late night fright. Cue the music. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Lift off. Listen to them. Children of the night. What music they make. Welcome to prime time, bitch! <laughs> Get away from her, you bitch! I find your lack of faith disturbing. The power of Christ compels you! The power of Christ compels you! Whoa, hello! Okay. This is God. It was pure evil. Be afraid. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Have a potato. Don't have a teeth, bitch. Come this, bitch. Come to Freddy. Ba-ba-ba-ba-boo-ba. next few months, the motion picture industry and theater owners will be bringing you a series of messages like the one you just saw. I don't think anybody will miss the point. The thrill can kill. The drug dealers need to know that we want them out of our schools, neighborhoods, and our lives. And the only way to do that is to take the customers away from the product. Say no to drugs and say yes 
to life. Of course, your local drug pusher may tell you a little something different about these drugs. And who you believe is up to you. But then again, if you go ahead and try them, at least it won't be out of ignorance. Just stupidity. What would I do if someone offered me these drugs? I'd tell them to take a hike. Son, this is your dad, Larry. I'm playing down here at Poncho's House of Cramps. Do you want some sofa peas to go? Yeah, honey bunny, I want some sofa peas to go, and I want some honey with them, and do you think I could get some powdered sugar? Sure. All right, yeah, powdered sugar and honey. Listen, son, I'm playing the late-night piano bar set down here at Poncho's House of Cramps, and I was just wondering if you could twist one off for your old man. That would certainly be appreciated. Listen, I got a brand-new Polaroid VHS cassette tape sitting right there by the TV. If you could put that in the VCR and set it on LP, long play, and record the Elvira's Movie Macabre Marathon that's coming on tonight. Your old man would certainly appreciate that. I love Elvira. I find her to be titillating. You get that, son? You get it? I know you do. You're a chip off the old block, just like your old man. Listen, go ahead and twist one off for Daddy. And uh, listen, uh, if you could see it in your heart, and lend me a 10 spot and go on down to the convenience store and get me a pack of cigs. I certainly would appreciate it. And I might even share one of these sofa pillows with you. Listen, this is your old man down here at Poncho's House of Cramps. Halloween night. Daddy loves you. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And that was our tribute to Robert England. We used to play that quite a bit on the show, didn't we? Like every episode. <laughs> every episode. We were desperate in those days. We were. Yeah. We've resigned ourselves to our fate <laughs> at this point. He's going to be on the show, though. I have, a, I, have a, I have faith. Yeah. I have faith. I do, too. I'm looking at faith. <laughs> All right, welcome back, as we said, and hello to all of our viewers all over the U.S., all of our viewers across the world, viewers in Ireland. We've hit the charts in Ireland, Switzerland, Sweden, the U.K. We're doing well in all of these places. Uh, Australia's been picking up, so I want to say hello. America? (laughs) They don't care about As always, (laughs) lagging behind, lagging behind. I want to say thank you to all of you for listening and tuning in. Uh, uh, Tell 500 of your closest friends. But uh, we hope you're enjoying the show. We enjoy doing it. We'd love to hear from you at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Uh, tell us we're doing a great job. Tell us we're doing a horrible job. Uh, recommend a movie to us. There you go. Yep. All right. Speaking of movies, we have a pretty good one tonight. This was my pick. 
uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, good for spooky season, which we are in. We're mm-hmm. in the thick of it, too. We're getting ready for yeah, Halloween. It's been spooky season all year, but we're getting into the real spooky season. We don't have any orange and black. We got red and green tonight. <laughs> Freddy Krueger. There is uh, there are some stories to tell about this movie, about the making of it. But you know what? We're going to get to that. Let's get right into it. Faith, what did you think of Elm Street 3? I love this movie. This is probably my favorite of the franchise. I think that um, there are qualities of Freddy that I feel like come out in this movie. And I enjoy a lot of the, the effects and things happening and the story going on. So I really, really enjoy this movie. I like this movie a whole lot. It is probably the most entertaining film in the eight. Are we going to say eight uh, with Freddie and Jason? We're going to throw that. Sure. In. This is probably the most entertaining of the eight films. Definitely the most entertaining of his solo adventures. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is uh, a pinnacle for the franchise and a franchise defining movie, really. And we can't talk about this movie without going back into the previous two installments in the franchise. Now, we have done episodes on each of these uh, these films. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're not going to get too heavy into it. But Elm Street one from 84 is is it's a classic. It, It is it is a stone cold classic in the genre. And a lot of that has to do with the genius of Wes Craven. A lot of it has to do with the genius of Robert England in that role. The cast, everything in, in that movie's working for the most part. Mm-hmm. And it uh, the golden age of the slasher film, uh, 78 to 84, they, they kind of, the line of demarcation for a lot of people is Elm Street mm-hmm. being kind of the last one in that golden age. And it's the one that takes the slasher film to the next level because of the supernatural overtones, which is very interesting. So right. then we get into 85's uh, uh, Freddy's Revenge, Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge. They didn't really know what to do with him. They didn't really know what to do with the property. What did you think of uh, Elm Street 2? Because that's a film that divides a lot of people. Uh, it has a cult following now. I, I like the movie for the most part for a piece of 80s horror, monster yeah, movie horror. I'm with you. It, I like it, but it's not my favorite. It doesn't really grab me yeah, when and I it, think about the franchise yeah. in a way. It just doesn't. You yeah. have to give them a lot of credit, though, because that movie did well enough to, to facilitate keeping the series right. going it did keep the series going which is which is great because right. now we get to three so but uh it just and they've uh i believe it was bruce wagner who wrote a, a draft of the script with uh with wes craven who said that they kind of overplayed the serial killer aspect of him in in two and he's just this you know he runs around killing people he's a you know run-of-the-mill serial killer mm-hmm. and freddie's not that right. Freddy's way more than that, right. and it was Chuck Russell then and Frank Darabont who took the script that Wes Craven and uh, Bruce Wagner wrote, and they kind of got it, and so they established the rules here in three, and kind of like Elm Street takes the slasher genre and puts the supernatural spin on it, this takes the slasher genre and puts a real kind of fantasy bent on it, and I think that makes this movie. Very unique, and I feel maybe I'm wrong here. See, so see where you stand on this. I feel this movie is the legitimate successor and sequel to the first movie, as opposed to that second. I film. agree. <laughs> I completely as agree. To the second film. So, before we get into what this movie could have been, because there is uh, there's a neat story with it. Um, let's talk about what we have here. Mm-hmm. Chuck Russell and Frank Darabont took Wes Craven and Bruce Wagner's original script. And we're going to talk about that script in just a second. 
but they took that script and Chuck Russell said in an interview that he thought they were missing the, the, the big picture with Freddie in part two. He said, this is a guy you can have fun with. This is supernatural. There's dreams. You can go the fantasy route. You can still have him be scary. And he said, but you can incorporate some fun. They did incorporate some fun. This is the film that forever kind of made Freddie funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, some people would say Johnny Carson type humor to him, some one-liners and things here. This is also the film in the mythos that established that uh, his kills kind of more reflect the personality of the victim mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. This is also the film in the mythos that uh, establishes him being the bastard son of a hundred maniacs for better or for worse. We're going to talk about that in a second too. But uh, this kind of is like the, the, the Elm Street film. This is what this, for me, this is like, well, this is what you can do with this series. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is as good as it's going to get mm-hmm. with this series. So let's talk about what's here in this film. The, the fantasy elements of this and uh, the, the kind of a storybook quality to it in a way, too. What do you think of the, the general story here? I like the story, especially, I know we're about to talk about it, especially reading that original script. I like, I like how Nancy was... Uh, She's still involved, but she's got a kind of a different perspective to things. And I kind of like how, you know, that, that kind of plays in. But I do like the I like the story. I like how all, all of the elements with the kills are, are more involved with each person. It's very specific. I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, it's a... Uh, it- it's a more personal Fred Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, we've been beating around the bush. Screw it. Let's let's do this. Uh, let's talk about the original script. So they, they were able to get Wes to come back and Wes uh, f- for a lot of reasons that you can look up for yourself. Wes didn't think a sequel was warranted for he thought the story was closed mm-hmm. after the first one. Uh, studio, of course, wanted more sequels. Boy, I'm sure they sure. <laughs> They're glad they got them. Uh, Wes probably, too, because he ended up getting some sweet cheddar cheese <laughs> off of those. But. So anyway, but he, he did agree to come back and he contributed uh, a story. Elements of this story really do come into play in the film that we get. So originally it was going to be a group of teenagers from all across the country were coming to this place. It was going to be Freddie's house that was out in the middle of the woods. And they were coming out there and people thought they were committing suicide. Now, teen suicide was this big thing in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Wes Craven said kind of a taboo subject, but he wanted to address that. And so it looks like these kids are killing themselves, but Freddie's doing the killing. So he's drawing them in and it just gets crazy after that. The Dr. Neil character is in it. Nancy's in it. She's not a doctor, but she is kind of a, a warrior. And it's the whole thing with the dream warriors coming together. Um, as he said, there needed to be a sense of community. The first movie is about uh, someone who's alone. And now you have other people. They're a minority, but there are more than one mm-hmm. and they come in together and they uh, they become the dream warriors and go into the dream and fight Freddy. A lot of elements do make it into this right. film. Uh, uh, a lot of the characters make it into the film. Mm-hmm. Nancy's death was written by Wes Craven. So he did kill off mm-hmm. Nancy at the end of this film. Again, he saw this as the last one. So, um, one of the things that he that that script did, and before we get into that, what did you think of it? Because you read it. I'm going to leave a link in the description to uh, an article, so you don't have to sit there and read the whole thing, but it gives you the, the big beats. What mm-hmm. did you think of of that original idea? I, I really thought it was interesting. A part of me was like, okay, I kind of really want to see that. But then it's like, I kind of really do like what we have here. 
And and let me say this: it was dark. It was. It, it is. It is not the Fred Krueger that we have in this movie. Right. He is. He is a true bastard in 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 every sense of the word. Mm-hmm. Uh, very dark. And it would have been a very uh, dark horror film. Now, mm-hmm. for a lot of reasons, they didn't make it because of budget concerns was one thing because it would have cost a lot to make. But um, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting thought what it would have been like if it had been darker and more horrific. This movie did really well at the box office. Would it have caught on if it had been this dark piece right. of horror? And what would the where would the franchise have gone from there? So. One of the ideas Wes had was that Freddy was this metaphysical evil. We touched on that in our episode, that mm-hmm. he is this metaphysical embodiment of ancient evil. And Wes then would touch on that in New Nightmare, that he's this ancient thing that's mm-hmm. been there forever. And again, I say this every time we talk about Wes. What did Wes know and when did Wes know? Right. <laughs> kind of thing. That's for another time. Uh, check out our episode on uh, People Under the Stairs. Yes. We, we get into it there. Uh, Wes was a great, smart guy. But they took that some of the ideas from that and then they transformed it. Darabont and Chuck Russell come in and they turn into the movie we all know and love today. So one of the aspects that they added was the humor to Freddy. So Mm -hmm. let's get into that. Freddy Krueger in Elm Street 84 and then in Freddy's Revenge is a very dark character. Mm -hmm. Um, How do I know he's dark? You barely see him. That's one of the things he's not lit very well. You don't really get that full on look at England in that, in that drag uh, here, they lighten him up a little bit mm-hmm. and you really do see him quite a bit in this movie. And, uh, but the big thing is the personality change. There is a shift tonally here. And Russell says he thought it was correct for the time. Obviously audiences at the time were ready for it and accepted it. Cause this movie did very well. Mm-hmm. What do you think of the shift? That's the big thing in this movie. Yeah. You know, that because the elements are he's killing the kids of the mm-hmm. parent. OK, that's the same. He's a dream stalker. That's the same. The personality is a little different and it switches about halfway through that movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of like I'm on the fence with it because I, I get where it kind of fits in with what's going on. But I do prefer him darker and creepier because he is dark and creepy and disgusting. <laughs> but again, I don't watch it and. I'm not aggravated by it. Yeah. Does that make any sense? No, it completely makes complete you know? sense. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's like, I love it because it, 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 it's, there's enough creepiness maybe going on that it's not taking away from taking the words out of my mouth because England has even said he becomes a prankster right. in four, five, right. six, especially six, which is Looney Tunes and John Waters. Yeah. But, there's um, not enough darkness in those to me yeah. that it kind of yeah. takes over. And, here he's still because uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to tell you, I was watching this today, getting ready for the show. And he still scares me in the first 10 minutes of this movie mm-hmm. with uh, him running after her in the house and yep. with him in the bathroom, especially scares me. Yes. Um, and and he is creepy throughout mm-hmm. this. And there are the moments of levity with it. And they're kind of earned, though. Mm-hmm. You know, and they are specific yes. to to what's going on, mm-hmm. and they're bad one liners, and they <laughs> should be bad one liners. And uh, you know, uh, tongue tied Joey comes to mind. You know, but he's still vile, right? He's exactly. still vile. Yeah, I don't feel like I feel like there was a good blend. I don't think it took over the creepiness at all for me. 
Yeah. 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 I, I, I'm with you, though. When you kind of pull back, though, and you look at the big picture. And you he's look disgusting. At, and you look at the first movie and you look at New Nightmare, you know, he, mm-hmm. he's he, he is he's he's vile and he and, is. and, and uh, should be treated as such. Yeah. You know? and, and this kind of warms him up just a bit. Mm-hmm. And you run into the But the Universal movies ran into this problem, too, with. You, uh, if you do these long enough, uh, the monster becomes the star of the movie and the people around it are just kind of, kind of bait, you know, they they don't matter, but you're there to see the monster. Yeah. We're here to see a monster, but this has such a wonderful story going Mm -hmm. on with it. And it's a very, uh, I think intriguing story and, uh, um, human story. You, you, you're rooting for these characters, a character driven piece, which, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think is great with some great ideas. But, uh, I think it works for the film. I think it works. Uh, it works in its time. It still works today, but I do think that he, I think he should be treated as a darker character. I think so too. That's why it's weird. Yeah, but it works with the fantasy elements of this, right? Well, I was gonna say it makes it weird that they shifted him so much going forward. You know, like how he was. That's where the money was. Yeah, right? it's just so strange because that's not how I picture him at all. Right. You know, he can have the haha moments or the one-liners that fit. Because there, because there is a sense of humor about him in the first film. There yeah. is a very dark sense of humor about him yeah. in the first film. I mean, no running in the hall. You yeah. know, that kind of thing that's funny to him mm-hmm. and just comes off as creepy and, and macabre to us. But right. uh, so it's there. You know, look, it worked at the time. We got <laughs> more films out of this and this thing became an icon. I think he became iconic because of this movie, though. Because I think so. One of the things this is the this is the top of the mountain. Now part four would make more money than this, a little bit more money, but this creatively and commercially, I think, is where is the the pinnacle for this, and this mm-hmm. is what this series could be, mm-hmm. you know. And he became pop culture here. Yeah, this is oh, yeah. this is where he becomes MTV friend. <laughs> you know, part four is it's official, but that starts here, right? You know, and, yeah. and this really makes the um, you know. England into a star, the first horror star since Christopher Lee. Really, this is this is where this begins. You know, yeah. here I think is where it starts getting. It, it, he's not an underground band anymore. He's <laughs> he's gone in a top forty, and and rightfully so. This is a wonderful film. I think oh, it's, yeah. it's it's really, really wonderfully done. Um, we have a pretty good cast here. Heather Langenkamp returns as Nancy. Craig Wasson plays Dr. Neil Gordon. I, I like his performance a lot. Me too. Patricia Arquette, Academy Award winner, as Kristen Parker. Ken Sagos as Ronald Roland Kincaid. I think everybody's favorite kind of in a way. Kincaid is the uh, the one who says everything you wish you could say. Rodney Eastman as Joey. Jennifer Rubin as Taryn. Larry Fishburne, Academy Award nominee. Lawrence Fishburne as Max. <laughs> Bradley Gregg as Philip, Ira Hyden as Will Stanton, and apologies to Ira, we have mentioned him on this show several times and could never remember that man's name. <laughs> We've mentioned him a few times, and every time it's like, what is that guy's name? Oh okay. my goodness, we're terrible. And uh, apparently I was reading, he's a very nice man. Like, he hmm. goes to the conventions and they said, he he is very, very nice. So, cool. uh, Penelope Sudro as Jennifer, I actually talked to her via email. She asked me what a podcast is. We have Nan Martin as Amanda Kruger. I'm not making that up. Uh, I remember that story. Priscilla Pointer as Dr. Elizabeth Sims. And then we have uh, the late, great John Saxon uh, returning as Donald Thompson. Dick Cavett appears as himself. Second film Dick Cavett has appeared in that we've done on this show, Beetlejuice being the other. Jaja Gabor appears as herself on the Dick Cavett show. And Jaja appeared because Dick Cavett got to pick who his guest was and he Thought it'd be great to see Zsa Zsa Gabor killed by Freddy Krueger because he thought she was an idiot. 
That's the story That's there. That's amazing. That's the story. What do you think of this cast? We got we got a couple of future stars in this cast. This is probably the best cast yeah. that we have uh in uh main one is pretty damn one's good pretty, too. One's pretty good, but I think we this got is, more names in this one. Yeah, I think this is a very standout cast. I feel like you kind of I feel like you kind of really get to know them very well. That's the beauty of this film. You care about the characters. Mm-hmm. These are not victims. These are not uh this is not meat being turned in the sausage, you know, and and you're you empathize with these kids. Mm-hmm. I feel these actors and this story, this script, but uh, but these actors particularly are really affecting and, and they don't have much screen time. You know, it's not right. their story per se, but they do a great job with what they have. And you and, and you're pulling for them. You're not pulling for Freddie in this. Right. You're, you're pulling <laughs> for them. And I've made the comment before some of these movies, I think Elm Street four, maybe there, there comes a the point where you're like, oh, just get them. Please, right? please take care. I of was it. just thinking that in my head. I was like, "Yeah, kind of four and five. You don't really, you don't really care about the characters at all." <laughs> I don't want anything to happen to these kids. I don't either. I really don't. Um, Heather Langenkamp is kind of playing Obi Wan Kenobi in this movie. She's True. definitely the mentor here. What did you think of Heather's performance? Because she does carry the movie. This mm-hmm. is not a Freddie heavy movie. This is a Nancy heavy movie, and this has always been her story mm-hmm. no i love her here just as much as i did uh, in the first one and you know everything she's been in but like i said earlier it's it's kind of cool to see her as the mentor here and not the one the main one being you know chased out of her house or whatnot it's yeah. cool to see her kind of be in that spotlight with these other kids and kind of lead them and i love her one of my favorite moments actually happens when she gets pulled into the dream and the uh the freddy snake sees her and yes. uh I think that's a great movie yeah. m- moment when she looks and, and they lock eyes for the first time mm-hmm. in years now. And, and you, you know, and yes. that that to me. And we were talking about how there's darkness to him. He's pissed in that moment. He is so pissed and angry. <laughs> and um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really great. I don't think she gets enough credit. I don't think she does either. As an actress. I don't think she does. Yeah. Um, Craig Wasson is Dr. Neil. He's kind of our point of view into the story mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, what did you think of Craig Wasson? I think he does a really, really great job with that character. And, and I like his character, even when I'm angry at him for not for not listening to her. I, I was, I like him I was a lot. just about to say that there are moments where you're angry at him, but I, I, I enjoyed him. I think this is a really, like I said, a really good cast. Yes. Uh, Larry Fishburne is is excellent as Max. Always. And, and I mean, you, you really get the feeling that he cares about these kids, mm-hmm. which I would. You know, he has that line where my kids have been dying, you know, and, and I love him. Now, the Dream Warriors, Patricia Arquette's, Ken Sago's, Rodney Eastman, Jennifer Rubin, uh, Ira Hayden. Uh, what do we think of them? I love them all. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about the, the aspect of this? One of my favorite aspects is that you have a group of people going into the dream mm-hmm. to fight him, which I think is wonderful. Really cool. What I like about that, though, is it makes them interesting. It makes them a team. That's mm-hmm. always fun when you see underdogs. It makes him a better villain because it's going to take all of these people to go defeat him. Right. Which I really, really like. Yeah, I do too. No, I think uh, I think it's really cool that they're all, you know, in, in each other's dreams and fighting. I think that makes it a really cool story. And uh, I forgot what I was going to say. What was I going to say? I don't know. I don't remember. Next question. Next question. <laughs> Uh, one of the things I like about this, we get this with the Amanda Kruger story. This is where we establish the bastard son of a mm-hmm. hundred maniacs. That's an awful, awful tale that she tells about 
being locked in the uh, insane asylum with 100 <laughs> people and just stored away and done awful things with. Uh, but what I like about this movie, too, and the first movie uh, really hits on this, too. This is, at its heart, a ghost story. Mm-hmm. This is great. It's a great <laughs> ghost story. Like, I know. You know. With the with the restless spirit, which is great. And what did you think about the whole deal with them going put him in holy ground and the skeleton? I think the special effects that were done with the uh, skeleton, the skeleton. Like the stop motion, reminds me of like the old Ray Harryhausen stuff from the fifties and sixties with like Jason and the Argonauts and the Sinbad movies. But the cars going off, and I think it's just I think it's a wonderful scene. Um, I think so too. Yeah, I really like the whole uh, the whole ghost story mm-hmm. aspect, and. Um, Gosh, you know, this movie was was made. Uh, they spent some money on it, but it, uh, you know, B-level production, let's say. But, you know, with, you know, they, all is, is on screen. And uh, I love the special effects. I love what they did. You know, all the money's on screen. I think these sets are wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I love the look of, like, the hallways, the decrepit-looking yes. hallways. And it feels like a horror movie. You it know, does. Uh, it, there are fantasy elements in it, but it feels like a horror movie. The special effects, I think, are really good. 32 years now after the fact, still holding up. I know. That's what I think gets to me the most about this movie is the special effects. I feel like it really kind of brings Freddy to a whole new level or something. You know, it's just yeah. like they, they're so cool. They're so well done. Yeah, it's it's excellent. It's from top to bottom. Excellent. And you can tell that a lot of love went into this. Mm-hmm. And I know it was a hard production. England. Uh, when he was on the set, I don't know how long he worked on the movie, but he was working 24 hour days. He was filming a television series. He'd go over and get in a full Freddy drag and work at night and then, you know, get a couple hours and, and, you know, be on his way. Now, uh, one of my favorite stories, he recounts this in his book, Hollywood monster. You should all check that out. Uh, great read. He's a great guy. He loves to tell stories. And, um, I think it was this movie where he fell asleep on the set in the makeup and when he woke up he saw himself i read and that he got earlier. scared and all i can say is you deserve that <laughs> you deserve that oh gosh this uh you know because this is the around the time i was eight when this came out and you know we were aware and this this kept me up <laughs> i hadn't seen the movie but it kept me up the whole idea of him kept me up did you think he was gonna show up in your dreams and torture you you know i was never scared of him coming to see me in my dreams i was scared of him like coming in my room you know (laughs) you know know what i mean i know (laughs) and it's amazing let's talk about this for a second because we talked about it uh first off what do you think of england's performance here because we did say there's some changes here Mm -hmm. with the character Uh, what do you think about england's performance i love england's performance it's hard not to Uh, like i said i think he still is is balancing that uh, the line of horror and comedy? I think he does it so well. And my only problem with his performance, uh, it's not it's not anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that I think the movie was so rushed post production, they missed altering his voice in a few scenes. True. So you hear because you know because I know he had to speak a little higher and quicker mm-hmm. so that it would it would come down like this, you know. So that uh, they could process it, and you can tell there's a couple scenes where they don't do it, and it's like, really? Like, <laughs> you and me are old friends. Like, that's not scary. <laughs> no, not at all. And that's not on him. That's right. that's that's on the production. Yeah, you know, it was it was hurried. You know, and there's right. you know, hey, listen, nobody's perfect. But uh, I yeah, I love it, and it's one of these things. He's such a beloved figure mm-hmm. in the horror community. I mean, he has his own coffee coming out, courtesy of Dead Sun. I know. So, 
let me ask you this before mm-hmm. we take a break. Uh, I'm one of the kids that grew up in the, in the 80s and was terrified. I was. I was scared of him. And I've told this story before that it, it, it was many years before I came to fully appreciate mm-hmm. these movies and this character and him. And uh, and when I did, it, it was full on love right. for this. Still scares me a little. There's still that, that little part of me that, that is terrified of him. And rightfully mm-hmm. so, because it is. Yeah. A scary thing. It's not a warm and cuddly idea. But anyway, (laughs) but I'm one of these kids and he has said this before that people have come up to him all the time and they say, you scared me when I was a kid. They're about my age. You scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. And now I just love it. (laughs) And I love you. What do you think it is that that and the fact that a kid like me back in the day would go into the video store and I would when I was feeling brave would venture into the (laughs) horror section and would pick up this box and look at it. Is that me trying to be brave? You know, what is that? Possibly. I don't know. You know, maybe just growing up, you know, kind of seeing who he really is. Maybe Yeah. it makes you like, okay, he's not, <laughs> he's not going to come into my bedroom tonight yeah. and, and yeah. haunt, you know, terrify me. But yeah, yeah I don't know. And I think, I think maybe when you see this wonderful man, mm-hmm. you know, under there and the fact that he just loves this material. Mm-hmm. You know, I think so. but uh, it, but that's not just me. It's, it's a bunch of people out there who were scared to death of it. And they say, oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. 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 Interest. Very interesting. Very, very <laughs> interesting. So let's do this before we go to break. Uh, there are some great kills in this movie. There, there really there are, are some great kills in this movie. We have the uh, Philip death, yes. which is wonderfully done. We have the Jennifer death, which is absolutely wonderfully done. Uh, we have... Taryn dies, uh, Will dies, uh, did I miss any, uh, Nancy dies, mm-hmm. Donald dies, did I miss, did I miss any, I think that's it. I think that's it. I think, I think that's all. Um, what do you think about the kills in this movie? I think they're wonderful. I mean, I, I thought you were about to ask me which one was my favorite and I'm like, I might have to actually think about this cause they're all so good. <laughs> do you have a favorite? Um, man, I think. I think the the real like f- the one that's in line with the idea of this character, Fred, mm-hmm. is the Philip kill. Mm-hmm. I think I think that one is so Wes Craven. Right. And I, I think, think that's it was where in, I lean. Too, I think it was in the it. original script too. And then the one though that the iconic one though with the line, the number one Freddie line, mm-hmm. I think, and it's rightfully so that it was ad libbed by England that it comes from him. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, the welcome to prime time, but here's your big break in TV, Jennifer. Right. Which, that's perfect. That's a perfect. I know. <laughs> kind of funny, dark, macabre line. You know, welcome to prime time, bitch. Mm-hmm. And that's his line. He was because he was so tired from sitting in that contraption all day. I, I think there's a wonderful synergy there with character and actor. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, if, it's probably it's probably the the Philip kill. Yeah, I think that's I think that's where I go because it's so brutal. It really is. It really is. It really is. And you know what bothers me about it is the um, the sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds like, you know, when you open your jaw real wide and you yeah. get that rating, that, mm-hmm. you know, sound, because that's what it sounds like when he's, when you see him in the dream world. You know, yes. it's, and, it's, and, and it's, it's so just brutal. I feel like it, I feel like I can feel the pain of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and the gleeful malevolence that he, that England plays on, mm-hmm. on his face. I know. Uh, one other quick question. The makeup. Because the makeup changes here. Mm-hmm. Makeup. Uh, I don't like part two's makeup. I part, don't either. Um, I don't like it because you can't see England's face in it. Right. You lose Robert in that in that mm-hmm. makeup. Part one, they were they were getting their uh, 
It's dark and macabre and very evil. But this is where we come classic. It's classic Freddy here. Right. I agree. Uh, what do you think about the makeup here? Um, I dig it. I do too. I think uh, I think it really. I feel like you could see him really well and his facial expressions that he's making. I don't. I, I like it. Yeah, me too. I feel like that's that's Freddy. <laughs> yeah, I think this is like the the, the mm-hmm. makeup. In fact, uh, the third part, this part, uh, and uh, Freddy versus Jason are my two just favorite mm-hmm. favorite looks for him. Freddy versus Jason is a beautiful makeup I know. makeup on him. Um, you can really see England under there, mm-hmm. but uh, this is this is and Kevin Yeager course did this and uh i would also be remiss if we did not add that this is the freddy krueger movie that has a snake that looks like a penis <laughs> that i read they had to add yeah green <laughs> gel stuff to it i don't does it did it really work though i think it did yeah a big freddy dildo <laughs> yeah but does it i don't think the green gel like really i think it actually made it, made look, it look more <laughs> yeah look more that's what I'm saying. Like more they like were a, trying to make it look less like a penis. More like a wang. I don't know if they if that helped. <laughs> Great special effects, though. Over, Great yes. special effects. All right. Well, uh, should we talk about Patricia Arquette, or should we do that when we get back? Whatever you want to do. What do you think of Patricia? I feel like she fits that character very well. Yeah, I still don't like her voice. I don't mean that offensively. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like. I don't know. She just kind of molt. It was just great for her that that role. <laughs> She's fine. She's fine. They're all fine. Actually, that's final question. Okay. Favorite dream warrior. Ooh. Boom. I'll give you two. You can go to. I do like Kincaid. I think Kincaid is everybody's favorite when because he, he says when he had the yeah the moment with the doctor and cussing her out. It's like yes, keep on. <laughs> and uh, and when he's uh, and when he's there in the group and he's uh. What are they going to do? Put you on Lifestyles of the Rich and Psychotic? <laughs> that was a pretty good Kincaid. That was pretty good. Nobody's putting me to sleep. Did you hear the story about how he got the gig? I don't think so. They kept him waiting to audition for hours and he was angry. Oh, yeah, I did And he missed that. lunch and he walked in and Chuck Russell was I sitting did, there. And he cussed him out. And he, and he walked in and said two words. One starts with an F, ends with a K. <laughs> you, and just like walked out and they're like, you got, you got it. Yeah, like, you're hired. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like Kincaid and I like Taryn a whole lot. I, I don't, I don't know what I it is about too. Jennifer Rubin. I think, I think because you could say the addict behavior and you can tell that she really cares. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, uh, come on. She's got the line. I'm beautiful and bad. <laughs> and she's got switchblades. There you go. <laughs> and a mohawk. Yeah, exactly. And no, I, I did like her. I did say, I told you earlier for the, like two seconds you see him. I do like Philip. I feel like he would have been yeah. cooler to last a lot longer. I was like, okay, I like this guy, but. He knew too much. Had yeah, to take him out. Had to get rid of him, I guess. Had to take him out. So, <laughs> all right, on that note, hey, write us at late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Let us know who your favorite dream warrior Do is. It. <laughs> so, well, this is a news break. Stay tuned for all the news, fake news that is not fit to print. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we will see you on the other side.
game of Mary Screw Kill ended tragically when the question posed made the heads of the two contestants, 15-year-old twins, Maddie and Hattie Patterson, explode. Yes, their minds were literally blown when Maddie asked Hattie, Mary Screw Kill, Cookie Monster, Porky Pig, and Garfield the Cat. There's, of course, no correct answer to that quandary, and the twins pondered and pondered until they could ponder no more, which happened when their heads exploded. There's a lesson here, I'm sure, but the bigger question is, who picks cartoon characters when playing Mary Screw Kill? Indeed, Faith. Well, 2020 has sucked a dong, but I have found solace in the videos of competitive eater L.A. Beast. No, this isn't a news story, nor is it an editorial. This year has sucked hard. And if you're like me, you need to pick me up every now and then. Watch the beast drink a whole gallon of Tabasco. Watch him eat sour foods. Watch him be the most precious and genuinely sincere meathead you've ever seen. Watch him vomit into a bucket. You'll thank me. Yes, you will. Jennifer Parker, a wannabe actress and patient at the Weston Hills Psychiatric Facility, killed herself by putting her head through a TV. She wanted a big break in TV, and apparently she got one. Welcome to primetime, bitch. And finally, I barely used my 2020 planner I bought at the end of last year. Do you think I can get my money back? And that is the news. Stay tuned for your minute of culture. I'd always put a guttural spin on the Freddie voice and, and kind of pinched it back in my throat. And uh, on the early films, the early Nightmare films, the first three perhaps, uh, they, they would fool around in the sound mix, slowing it down a little bit. I think radio sound technicians would tell you that's called very speed. They can slow you down a bit. Gives you a little more bass in your voice. And uh, 
all I remembered as an actor in the uh, early nightmare films was I don't want the very speed to make me sound artificial or robotic. And so I began to do the Freddie voice faster. And then when they applied the very speed technique in post-production, it would come out normal. So if I said, uh, welcome to prime time, bitch, <laughs> it would come out on the feature film, welcome to prime time, bitch. <laughs> it would slow down naturally with just that hint, that just that taste of very speed on it. So that's sort of all you'll ever want to know about the Freddy voice, I imagine. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Dan. And I am Faith. And we're going to finish up our discussion on Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. I think we both really, really liked it. Oh, yeah. And I think looking at it in the totality of the franchise, I think we really like it. And we can see kind of where it's a game changer for the franchise. Exactly. Defining, uh, defining film for the franchise. And uh, some would say maybe the beginning of the end. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. I would like to say I think that this movie missed a wonderful opportunity to be the official crossover with the Halloween franchise because the, the, the majority of this movie takes place in a psychiatric institution. And who is our favorite <laughs> psychiatric doctor, Faith? Who's our favorite? Dr. Loomis, of Could you course. imagine Dr. Loomis in this movie? Oh, dear God. Let's, I, you're going to have to, to, to tell me what that would be like. I want to do it for the children. <laughs> Don't go to sleep. <laughs> Doctor, they put Kristen in the quiet room. No, no. And they sedated her. No. <laughs> in case you missed it, uh, we did an episode on Halloween for the return of Michael Myers. And I may or may not have gone off on Donald Pleasance as Dr. <laughs> Loomis in the most loving of ways. Oh, which might be like my favorite thing ever. We listened back to that episode and both giggled. <laughs> It's pretty funny. It's Check it out. So and we love him. So oh, yes. it was all in good fun. Oh, yeah. All in good fun. <laughs> well, as we like to do here on the show, we are finished with our review and, uh, and chat about uh, Dream Warriors. We like to take a look at what the legendary John Stanley, host of Creature Features, said about the movie in his book, Creature Features. This is the Bible for anyone who is into these kind of films. The Bible for horror, sci-fi, and fantasy Faith, how many stars do you think Mr. Stanley gave this film out of five? Hmm. Three. Good call. Three. Oh. Three. Another solid follow-up to the Wes Craven box office hit, exploring new nuances in quotes 
of the Freddy Krueger character for shock exploitation. This time, youngsters terrorized by Krueger in their dreams take part in a controlled experiment using a new drug. The last 30 minutes are exciting as they link together in the same dream and fight Krueger with various combative techniques. Imaginative surprises and creative effects are in store, though, as usual, the story remains slender in the characters of minimal interest, directed by Chuck Russell. Heather Langenkamp, Patricia Arquette, Priscilla Pointer, John Saxon, Craig Wasson, and of course, Robert England. And guess what? This movie is indeed available on Laserdisc. <laughs> Do you agree with that? I'd say it's a pretty fair analysis yeah. of the film. We, for, we forgot a death. Which death is John that? Saxon. I did mention him. Did you? I did. I said Donald. I just said Donald. Oh. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. Yeah. It's all right. <laughs> My Sorry. bad. We were, we, we were both running out of coffee. We were. At the time. <laughs> at the time. So great film. High recommendation. Good spooky season movie. Um, Very good. Good. Uh, I don't even think of this as a slasher film. I don't either. It's it's a it's a fantasy kind of wild ride. Mm. It really is. Uh, there is an aspect we do need to talk about. The music, the score here is by Angelo Badalmente, who uh, is most famous for doing the Twin Peaks score for David Lynch. I think the score in the first 30 or so minutes of this movie is very disconcerting. Mm -hmm. Very puts you on the edge of your seat. Yes, especially I agree. The but the reason I'm bringing that up is because at the scene where John Saxon appears in the dream world to Heather Langenkamp and you know, says, hey, honey, I've crossed over and all this. If you listen real close to that music, it sounds just like the Twin Peaks stuff. <laughs> it does. It sounds like the the, the Twin Peaks uh, music when something wonderful's happened. That da, 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 da. <laughs> it does. I was like, Laura? <laughs> Laura? Where are you, Laura? <laughs> Could you imagine the David Lynch Elm Street film? Wow. Do you know David Lynch, George Lucas, talked to David Lynch about doing Return of the Jedi really? back in the day? Yeah. And Lynch has told the story and, and speaks glowingly of George Lucas. You know, he, he thinks he's great, thinks, mm -hmm. you know, really appreciates and admires what he's done. And, and he was like, you know, this movie wasn't for me. But he went to meet with him because he he, he asked him to. And and in, in David Lynch, wow. in, in the David Lynch, you know, as only he can say, you know, we went, we, we had salads and, and, and he told me what the movie was going to be. I was like, I don't think so. You know, but could you imagine what the David Lynch Star Wars film I would know. be like? I'm, I'm trying to think about it. Imagine Jabba's palace, what that would be like. I know. And it's a dream within a dream. I think, I think a Lynch Elm Street film would, would be, um terrifying and terrifying, awesome and beautiful yeah. and gorgeous i know that would be something lots of coffee <laughs> more coffee oh, absolutely patricia arquette would go on to work with david lynch in the movie uh lost highway i believe is, is when she appeared in uh her husband uh well her husband of a few years uh, he appeared in a david lynch film wild at heart she was married to nicholas cage for a little uh, favorite of ours here on the show could you imagine what that what that what that house was like? I can't picture them together for like it's just uh, it, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's, it's a weird. weird. It's hard combo. to picture them together when they were together. I know <laughs> exactly. Yeah, very strange, very strange. And then she was married to Thomas Jane for a little while. So apparently, like she she stays married for six years, waits five, and then you know gets right back on the train. I don't know if she's married now. I but. will give her credit. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think you've, I don't think you've watched it yet. I watched her in the act on Hulu, 
And for a split second, I didn't even recognize her. She's really good in it. I've heard. I've heard she's, it's a great series, and she, she's really she's a great actress. She's, she's really good. She won an Academy Award. Yeah. She's uh, whether or not that means anything. To I was you. about to say sometimes that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, but um, no, she's she's great. She went on the big things. Oh, I do want to talk about this. Um, Robert England said he had no doubt that Patricia Arquette was going to go on to be a big star, but he said all the boys were in love with her on this set. I read that. <laughs> and he said, yeah, and they would all come up like, uh, do you think I got a shot? How should I approach it? How should I, how should I get in there, man? You know, what I want you to do is take a step back uh, for a second and just think about this. It's 1987. You're on the set of A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. You are smitten with Patricia Arquette. You, you don't know how to approach her, how to approach it. You don't know if you have a shot. So you turn to Robert England, who is in full Freddy drag. <laughs> so, I mean, could you imagine that? Could you imagine, you know, Fred Krueger love doctor, you know? <laughs> I feel like that needs to be a new segment on this show. <laughs> I think you need to slice her hard. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, I would love to see pictures of that, though. I know. Like, uh, like Robert, where, where Robert, should I take her? Do you think she'll say yes if I ask her out, Robert? It's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Yeah, I remember he was working like 24-hour days at that point. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's uh, something to think about, though. It is. <laughs> He also told a very funny story about uh, he got out of the make. He was always the last one because, you know, he had to get out of the makeup. And he mm-hmm. said he and Chuck Russell, I think it was, would lead the set with the production designer or the lighting guys, whatever. They were always last. And he said, you know, they're filming at this warehouse in downtown Los Angeles, right next to the county jail. And he said, like, he said, so, like, what would happen is, like, they would, uh, and there was a, um, said be early in the morning, but there was a Mexican uh, food cart that was out there. He said, like, real, as he called it, real hardcore Los Angeles burritos. That's, that's <laughs> as only he can put things, right? And he says, so, you know, the three or four of them walk out. You know, he's like, we're, we're tired, you know, we're hungry. And he goes, and there's this cart. He goes, but we're getting out at the same time all the people in the jail are. You know, he says, so here come, you know. <laughs> He says, "Here come the pimps and the hookers," and he says, "And the uh, he says the transvestite hookers all all walking out at the same time." He goes, he says, he looks around and he looks at Chuck Russell. And he says, "And leave show business for what?" Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that image though of like you know them walking out and all these you know people getting out of the jail and they're just let's go get a burrito. That's amazing. So, do you have anything you'd like to add about Dream Warriors? I think I think both of us yeah really oh, like yeah. it as I said, and I think it's uh, I think it's great. One of the great you know. Horror yeah. films of all time. Yeah, it's a great watch. It's a great part of that franchise. I think it's one of the best parts of that franchise. Yeah, I, I think it's a more entertaining watch than the first one. And that so and too. the first one is my favorite, right. maybe my favorite horror film of all time. It's just, just a more entertaining watch. Mm-hmm. It doesn't require the the level of uh, involvement right. like that first one does. It's not as dark and terrifying as mm-hmm. the first one. Yeah, but this is so much fun. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's amazing. A movie about a serial killers is fun well, hey that's how i feel about dexter you know which is coming back which and i'm excited but yeah. it's like this it's just it's weird that these things put you in like a happy place does that does it, it, i mean you know it's i it's think so, people listen and get it it's a weird thing to say when you tell people yeah. oh i love these movies or shows about serial killers it makes me feel good when i watch it but it's not like you're watching it because you want to be them yeah it's just yeah you know yeah uh it's fun to watch yeah. And uh, we'd also like to add, we, we did a commentary on this film way back when we started this show, back back when in the infant days of this uh, program. It was one of our very first episodes, and it is available. It's a lot of fun. Uh, you can put it on with the movie and watch it and have a good time. But we thought it was, it'd be good to go and do a proper 
oh, yeah. episode on this. Yeah, this movie's uh, that good. It, it really, it really is. But there's some funny stuff in that <laughs> in that episode. It really is. I, I, I listened to some of it recently. It made me giggle. Oh gosh, so, made me giggle. There was some talk of the cage in that. So uh, check that out. It's available for a podcast can be found. So that's it for Dream Warriors. Uh, Faith, it is your pick coming up. Uh, spooky season continues. Yes. What is next, my friend? I think I'm going to pick. Well, I changed my mind. <laughs> Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. We both haven't seen that in a while, I So believe. we're going to get a Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey in the same movie. 90s cinema defined right there, right? Yes. There we go. All yes. right. I'm down with it. I'm down with it. And yeah, we're not doing part two or three, so let's see if we miss any of the story. Right. If we hate it, we hate it. You let's know. See if, let's see if we can put together what we may have missed, because it's been a while since I've seen it's, those movies. It's been a few years since I've seen this okay. one. I so, like it. I like it. We shall see. And I believe we know what our Halloween movie is this year. Ooh, should we tell them? We should. We should. If I only had a brain. <gasps> is that a hint? <laughs> Maybe we'll just give them a hint. If I only had a brain. Ooh. <laughs> it's got a scarecrow in it. Ooh. Yes, it does. And Justin Long. Ooh. <laughs> Let you figure out the rest. <laughs> Faith, you got anything you'd like to add before we, before we call a night? I think that is it. What about you? That's it. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your continued support wherever you are. We do hope you're staying happy and healthy and safe during all of this. If you are here in the United States during election season, make sure to take everything with a grain of salt and uh, make sure to uh, 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 take time for yourself because there's a lot of news out there. Verify. Turn off the TV. Yeah. Throw it out in the yard. <laughs> Verify what you're hearing. But watch horror movies. Keep America strong. Yes. Bob Wilkins was his credo. It's our credo here on the late night fright. So with that said, Faith, let's see if we can snap our fingers and the magic happen. Ready? One, two, three. There it is. Time to say goodbye. I would tell you to have sweet dreams tonight, but you know. Yeah. Might have a visitor. You never know. Yes. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Thank you all again. If you want to get in touch with us, late night fright podcast at gmail.com. Check out Pumpkin Guts by the Tomb Tones. I will leave a link in the description. New Check album out the whole album, friends. actually. Yes. I listened to it. It's really good. Yeah, they're great. Really great good. guys. So, Faith, take us home. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep, keep your, your monster, monster on a leash. leash. See you on the other side.